You're listening to the Cubicles in Christ podcast, where together we thrive in life by using our faith to find strength, direction, and purpose. Full of wit, wisdom, and a little grit and grace, Cubicles in Christ provides the inspiration you need to be strong and spiritually authentic in all you do. And now, your host, author, speaker, certified executive coach, Kelly Johnson. Have you ever had an aha moment? Maybe you've been in a conversation talking to someone, or maybe you've been in a time of prayer and a light bulb goes off. Today, we're going to talk about aha moments, and I'm joined by my good friend, Brittany Cannon. Brittany is a licensed professional counselor. She's a nationally certified counselor a graduate of the Clark Atlanta University, as well as Texas Women's University. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Excited to be here. Yeah. So you shared with me a quote by Oprah, and we'll get to that in a second, but Oprah talks about aha moments quite a bit on her talk show back when it was you know, still on the air. But let's talk a little bit about spiritual authenticity first. And I'd love to hear your take on that. And how does that, how is that resonating with your life today? I think spiritual authenticity is very important to us. I think that we can't determine our purpose um, spiritually um, until we find that authenticity. And so we have to figure out if we're being real with ourselves and genuine and definitely um, learning to love yourself through the process of owning your own story. And that whatever is for you will be for you. And the ups and downs are part of the authenticity um, process and just working with those and, and accepting them as a part of the process as well. Hmm. I love how you said owning your own story. What does that mean? What does it look like when you own your own story? So it means, you know, being vulnerable, being open Um, not carrying the guilt and shame about who we are and what we are, the mistakes that we've made, because they're all part of the process. Um, You know, you can't be real and genuine if you don't acknowledge all of who you are and what makes you and what um, God has said about you as well. Um, And so, and I think that's important to really love yourself through that process and own it. Ooh, but that is so hard. I mean, very hard. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's that's really great what you're saying. And I can see sort of the power and the benefit of owning all of who we are. First of all, God loves all of who we are. Sure. And it's interesting that, you know, we can acknowledge that God loves all of who we are, but we don't always love all of who we are. No, because we've been told it's not great. It's wrong. Don't tell people that you should be ashamed of that. You know, there's so much that we hold in secret. and so that secret keeps us, you know, burdened and it keeps us heavy and it keeps us from um, reaching what we, what God would have us to reach. And so I think that, you know, the first step is, is owning it and saying it is what it is. And I am who I am and I can't, you know, I can't change it. And it's kind of one of those things, you know, better, you do better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even in sort of this world of, you know, posting parts of your life on Instagram or parts of your life on Facebook. We're really conditioned to only show the best of who we are. Right. In so many different ways. And I think we naturally do that just in 
normal relationships, normal interactions. Um, but I think sort of this Facebook, Instagram, Twitter world, we, we only show, we're accustomed to only showing a piece of who we are. Yeah, I call it the representative. We only show the, you know, <laughs> we want to be, you know, it's kind of like when you're dating somebody, you put that best foot forward, you put that representative out there and, mm. you know, you allow people to see what you want. And now with social media, you can create anything you want. That is so true. The representative. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So you had shared with me um, a little while ago, this quote from Oprah, and it really spoke to me. Can you share what that quote is about aha moments? Sure. Oprah describes it as um, something that you already knew. But what makes an aha moment is remembering what you already knew, articulated in a way that resonates with your own truth. And so she says, it's not about teaching, but it's about helping to remember. And so I kind of like to break that down and say, you know, it's, it's always there, but it's a new way of connecting to the experience. You've always known that that history or that memory or that, you know, whatever it is, is always been there, but now it begins to take on a different meaning at a certain point in your life. And I think you have to connect through to the process to be able to see it differently so that it can resonate in a different way. I really love what you said about a new way of connecting to an experience. And I think that might be one of the reasons why I was really excited about you being on the show. It really stems from a passion or an interest of mine that women in particular really take the time, invest in the time do the work, roll up your sleeves and figure out what part of your past is informing your present and what part of that should you deal with and allow the Holy Spirit to heal and transform. But I I guess I feel like so many of us really struggle with taking a look back at the past briefly, not saying we should dwell there. Sure. But taking the time to do the work. And so what are your thoughts about that? I think it's essential. I don't think that we can really understand who we are if we don't um, accept the sum total. Um, And I think that you can't have the insights and the discoveries if you're not willing to dig in the dirt. And some of it's not pretty, you know, and some of it's, you know, really great moments. And yeah, we all want to relive those, but, you know, we have to realize how those negative moments that we tend to see them as and pantos. Cause I think as, especially as women and working women and things of that nature, we get so lost in our roles. But if someone were to say, tell me who you are, we describe our roles, but we don't say, you know, I am a lover of Christ. I, you know, love the color purple. I love to do this. I love, you know, we don't really connect with ourselves. We connect to who we've been told that we are. That's really good. Because, wow, (laughs) I mean, I I guess just, you know, we don't connect to who we really are. I think on the one hand, it's super easy to get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. And so it's almost like you don't even have time to connect. You don't have time. Yeah, (laughs) you don't have time. And we think nobody cares anyway. They want to know what we can provide for them is what we tend to think, you know, about our dealings with other people. But if you are not connected to yourself, how can I provide anything to someone else? And even if we're not connected to ourselves, how connected are we really to the Lord? To the Lord. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Because if we're keeping, if we're keeping our own selves, our own hurts, our own strengths, even sometimes we don't, I think, acknowledge our own talent. We sort of minimize them or we don't nurture them and cultivate them. That's another way of sort of not really being connected to yourself. And in whatever way we're not connected to ourselves, I think it also really limits what the Lord can do in your life. Absolutely. And we, a lot of times I think we think busy is an accomplishment. Busy is usually a distraction. Yes. You know, and it keeps us from connecting, quieting ourselves to hearing what God would have us to do, what he would lead us to do, what the Holy Spirit wants for us, um, what our own bodies and minds are telling us sometimes, too. We just push and push and push. And because we think busy is an accomplishment. We could go that we could spend a whole hour talking about right. <laughs> Maybe not even paying attention to what our bodies are telling us because. Sometimes when we don't deal with the past or don't deal with maybe just pain, maybe it's not even the past. Maybe it's like right now pain. Um, Sometimes that manifests in physical pain, um, physical conditions, even if left unresolved. Absolutely. And physical stress is harder on our bodies if we don't process the mental. So our bodies begin to process the mental, whether we want to or not. And that's how it comes out in, you know, pains, aches, sickness, illness, and that kind of thing. And that toll on our bodies lasts longer than the mental distress if we deal with it. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's just another area, another, maybe another reason why it's so important to embrace these aha moments. And, and we'll talk about that in just a second in deeper detail. Because in a second, I want to get your opinion on how, how do we make sure we are leaving space to pay attention to these aha moments. But before we get to that, you're a licensed professional counselor. You work with clients about a number of areas of their life. I'll just kind of leave it like that. Um, But trauma, trauma, abuse, depression, I'm sure are just a few, correct? Correct. Okay. So What do you think are some of the reasons it may take a while for us to even experience aha moments? Like what prevents us maybe in your opinion? Well, I think sometimes we, one, just don't want to deal with it. Two, a lot of us, and we don't realize it, we, because trauma becomes comfortable, we spend our lives recreating that trauma. And it may not be the exact same trauma, but we spend our lives recreating that trauma so we have those same feelings because it's comfortable um and we get stuck in the comfort and you know we we tend to do that as people and it's what's known you know and so it's definitely hard to experience an aha moment because we know how to cope with what we have something different something new is hard and we don't have time for that we don't want to deal with that we're adjusted and comfortable to you know, with what we're experiencing already. So how would you help, how do you help clients who maybe are resistant to going to an uncomfortable area, an uncomfortable experience because it's new? How do you help people get out of their dysfunction? You know, I'll tell you, you know, when I see clients, most of them, some, it's rare that they come in and say, okay, I'm ready to dive into this trauma. <laughs> Let's get <laughs> it in my history and that kind of thing. Um, and you know, it's just 
a lot of times I just build that rapport and listen, because a lot of times we feel like people don't really want to listen. And something about when you're paying someone to do that, you feel more comfortable (laughs) um, with sharing. Um, But it's 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 time. You know, I'll say a lot of the clients that I see are long term. um, And, you know, we just go slowly. And I tell them when I first meet with them. I'm, I'm the counselor. Let me trust me that I'll push you when you need to push and I won't let you fall when it's too much. Um, and so we talk about that and, you know, it's really just building re- the relationship. But, you know, I tell them kind of just what I said a few minutes ago. You can spend your life recreating that same trauma and still feeling the same way. Or you can spend your time and effort healing those pains and experiencing joy. Because I, I talk to my clients a lot about the difference between happiness and joy. And I think we all want happiness, but I think that's an emotion. That's a feeling. Um, That's an emotion. Excuse me. Joy is a feeling and that comes with peace. And so happiness is fleeting. Joy is consistent. And because when you're experiencing joy, you get to decide how do I feel about this situation? How am I going to press through this? Yes. I may be sad. I may have difficulties, but I'm going to, choose not to give away my peace, which is, I think, equates more to joy, because I think a lot of us are looking for happy and happy is not always present. Amen to that. So we've talked about aha moments and dealing with trauma, pain, different life experiences, but let's maybe make it a little bit more tangible in case someone's listening saying, okay, but what are they talking about? Like, really? Sure, Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Um, you know, I think I shared this with you, Brittany, previously, a pretty significant aha moment as an adult happened in my career in the workplace. So, so much of what we talk about on Cubicles in Christ is about how do we live out our faith in the work that we do? Well, sometimes those aha moments, I think God uses work to bring out aha moments. And that was a, a really key experience for me. So just to kind of share, um, I had started a new role at a new company. I'd been there just a year. So it was just time for my first performance review at this particular organization. And when I met with my supervisor at the time, who happened to be um, an, an executive, a vice president, he talked about my performance and, you know, things were pretty good. But Then he kind of got to the interpersonal communication section on the performance review form. Right. (laughs) And he was like, you know, Kelly, you're kind of like a piece of granite. And as I'm sitting there trying to process that comment and process that feedback, I, I really didn't understand where he was coming from. I knew it wasn't good, but I didn't really understand what he meant. And so then he went on to describe and I'll try to preserve a little bit of my small ego and just give the high level bullet points. But he basically said, it's really hard to get to know you and you keep people at a distance. And he didn't say it that nice. So I'm given the the flowery version, the version that I like. (laughs) (laughs) And when I left, you know, after I picked my face up off the floor and left his office, I had to think about that. And I started asking myself, okay, why? Why am I coming across that way? Why is he perceiving me this way? 
And what I realized is that it was connected to my past. It was connected to my childhood. I grew up with a really difficult experience as a kid. Um, You know, there were times where we were not sure how we were going to eat. And I learned to hide. I learned to hide what was happening at home. And in order to hide what's happening, you can't really share. (laughs) Absolutely. You You can't be an open book and easily cover up the pain and the hurt that you experience when you go back home. And so what I realized is that even as an adult, I was bringing that into my career and I had a choice to make and I had to overcome my own fears about being more open to people. And that wasn't an overnight flip the white switch on experience. It was one that I had to really work through because it came from years and years of conditioning. And I just share that as an example, because I think sometimes we minimize why am I showing up in my career, in my profession, in my business? Why am I showing up in the way that I am? Some of our personal or personality traits that show up in the workplace are heavily influenced by our past. And I want to encourage people to thrive, to really grow, to accomplish all that God has for them. But that means we've got to put in a little bit of work. So what do, what do you say about that, Brittany? Absolutely. I think, you know, when you said you said a great word and you said conditioning, you know, and when I think of that, I kind of think of, you know, working out, lifting weights. You know, you don't build the muscle overnight and it takes, you know, consistent um, effort and consistent uh, requirements on your part to, you know, keep going to the gym and keep getting that conditioning. And you, you know, you look up one day and you start to see the changes, right? And I think that's kind of how our lives are. It, it just, it happens, you know, the conditioning, the behaviors, how we adapt to things um, is based on what we experience and what keeps happening to us repeatedly. And so we begin to learn how to respond to that. And it sometimes it's healthy and sometimes it's unhealthy, but 90% of the time it's survival, you know, to get through that situation. And, you know, you can say something to one person and they take it just fine and then say the exact same thing in the exact same way to another person. And it affects them totally in a different manner. And I think that's the conditioning that we've had from our environment, from our experiences and you know, to be able to grow, we have to have that awareness. And that awareness creates the innovation and the shift to be creative, to do something different. And I know that sounds odd to kind of talk about creative creativity and innovation with changing our past behaviors, but it is. You have to have that awareness and decide to do something different. That's all innovation is, is wanting to do something different. I like putting in that frame of reference of creativity and innovation. Can you think of an experience in your own life where you had that, had an awareness or an aha moment and maybe how you were able to start creating your new reality? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. I think of several and it's, you know, you want to pick the one that's most impactful, right? And so um, I think that for me, I was going along in my career um, for a long time and things were being kind of handed to me and I was kind of falling in positions that didn't really excite me, but, you know, financially they were fine. They worked right. Um, And I knew that I was capable of doing these positions. Um, 
And so I got to a point in my life, um, in my career, um, in 2010, going into 2011, where everything that I thought I knew shifted. I just had a a new baby. Um, My husband and I were struggling. Um, I had two jobs at that point, but they were both kind of contract positions. So we were doing really well financially. And every last one of those things that I thought that God was going to consistently provide changed. Um, And so that's really hard when you think that everything that you've worked for um, and that you're used to and become comfortable in shifts and changes. Um, Lost both of the jobs, um, ended up having to move. And so, but God led me to my career choice that I've always, always wanted to do. And so out of necessity and brokenness, I said, God, whatever you have for me, lead it, lead me to it. Um, And he did. And he led me to working on my master's. And I always thought I, I, you know, I graduated with my undergrad 12 years ago. You know, I'm a mom. I've got kids. I've got this. I've got that. I've got to work. How am I going to do this completely different career path? But I also knew that every career I looked at, I needed this master's um, to be able to do it and really feel um, fulfilled in that position. And God led me to it. And I felt completely unqualified and unworthy. And I remember coming home from the interview for the grad school. I, you know, submitted my application and everything. And remember coming home from the interview and thinking that was the worst interview I ever had. No way am I going to get into this grad school I felt like I had no cognitive, bright ideas in the interviews and things like that. Um, and so I, I had made up my mind that, okay, I'll just apply, reapply the next time it comes around. And, you know, the way that God works, even when you think you're at your worst and there's nothing left, he provides. And I got in the first, first round, first attempt, and, you know, God just blessed all the way through my experience. And it wasn't easy. Um, There were a lot of difficult things in the process, but God was able to use each of those difficult things to show me, you know, I know the plans I have. I'm always here for you. I have a hope for your future and I'll, you know, do my best to provide for you and always will. And so I think that created that, you know, spiritual awakening and authenticity for me to know that God has my best interest at heart always. And so I think that was For me, it it led me to a process of knowing that through the hills and the valleys, he's always there, always there. And, you know, those experiences are growing experiences and learning experiences. And, you know, you have to be thankful for the hills and the valleys as well. I'm really trying to hold back the tears right now. (laughs) I am. Don't cry, because if you cry, I'll cry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm like, okay, hold it together, together. Because I think you said some really powerful things that I I have also experienced in my own life. And that is out of necessity and brokenness, Mm -hmm. that that is where God really can manifest his love, his power, um, and his purpose for you. And it's interesting because that's the very thing that we fight. Absolutely. <laughs> right. We, we, we will go down like clawing and scratching. No, none of us wants to get to a place of brokenness, right. Or hitting our own version of rock bottom. Absolutely. And it's, 
it's uh, amazing that that's where so much of his power really manifests. And, you know, we don't want to get to rock bottom because we're so attached again to those roles. Like usually rock bottom means God shifting that role that we think is so important to us. And that makes us, you know, that mom, that wife, you know, this position in our job. And it's not that it's that we're daughters of the king or whoever God says we are, you know, when we're fearfully and wonderfully made in his image and we forget that and focus on what we've created per se in our own minds. Absolutely. I think you also said a really key word about when you did the interview, by the way, thank you for being so candid and transparent. Absolutely. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Um, but you mentioned about feeling unqualified and unworthy during the interview process. And what came to my mind was uh, Moses. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and Esther. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's other examples in the Bible, but those two came to mind first. You know, Moses was like, I stutter. I'm not a good speaker. And so God provided through Aaron. Right. So Aaron was his his source, his his mouthpiece, so to speak. And then, you know, Esther really had to be prompted by Mordecai Mm -hmm. to embrace you're the queen. Like we need you to act like a queen and save your people. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. She didn't even have the self-awareness of how critical her role was until it was really, really forced upon her. Um, And. She was really challenged to take that risk, that bold leap of faith, just like what you had to do to go to grad school. Um, And I don't know, I don't want to make, I don't want to make this more emotional than what it is, but (laughs) can you share like how you knew or maybe when you knew that you really wanted to be a counselor? I know it's tied to your own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I had an aunt that I was super, super close um, to and she struggled with, the, you know, her history and some of the things that happened in her life and never really, really resolving those things. And so instead of resolving them, she chose to kind of um, ignore them and escape them. And so she chose alcohol to do that. And she had a lot of other things going on. She um, every kind of cancer that you can think of, she experienced and fought through. Um, and we were like I said, super close from childhood. I would spend quite a um, great deal of time with her. She experienced a divorce and, you know, the cancer kind of the diagnosis back to back. And it just kind of broke her down and who she thought she was always highly spiritual, always, um, you know, believed in God and knew that God's had his power, but she struggled with alcoholism. Um, and ended up having to go into a rehab facility for her alcoholism. And I went to visit her there. And in that moment, I knew that that was the career that I wanted. I wanted to be that support system because being her support system for me meant everything um, because she had been my support system so long. And so to be able to repay that um, to her in that way was, you know, it had, I mean, it wasn't even a second thought for me to go. Um, but being there and having that experience, I was so moved by that. And I was like, this is what I have to do. And unfortunately, um, due to cancer and other complications, she passed away before I graduated um, with my master's. But I always knew that 
I had her in my corner, you know, cheering me on and that it was the right thing to do because I saw the impact that it made um, for her. And then I, you know, I did have the opportunity to tell her um, well before she passed away that, you know, I wanted to do this um, because I was inspired by her. And, you know, of course, she, you know, kind of brushed it off, like inspired by me, look where I am, that kind of thing. But, you know, her vulnerability um, and openness about her story and her experience helped me. And so I think that's the key of being open um, about our experiences and not hiding in the shame um, because we can help and bless someone else through our experience. That's how I got to counseling. <laughs> it's such a blessing, her, you know, her role in your life, but even just how God used that to call you. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we always say, you know, help use somebody else's rock to, you know, rock bottom to kind of lift us up and carry us to where we should be. So, um, you know, I'm thankful for that experience. I'm thankful for the blessing that she was in my life. Um, and I'm thankful for, you know, all the things that she taught me. And mainly, no matter what, you still praise. Like she would come from chemo treatments and get her usher uniform on and be the first one there ushering you know, standing on her aisle, ready to go, ready to serve God, ready to be a gatekeeper in his house. So, you know, I was inspired that if she can do that in the midst of feeling what she was feeling, then I can do, you know, serve God and and I'm healthy, you know. We're going to wrap up in a minute and pray, but I would love for you to maybe share any advice or maybe someone who's experiencing some pain, some uncertainty right now, what suggestions would you make? Um, first, I would always, you know, say trust God. You know, um, my biggest suggestion is turn to the Bible. Um, because everything that we experience, you know, nine times out of ten is in that, in that word. Um, and a word is in there to help encourage us um, and remind us that we can keep going. And then I would also, from, you know, just a, a counseling perspective, a therapeutic perspective, say that, you know, you don't have to deal with all of it at one time. You know, if, if there's one piece of it that you can get through and that's all you can deal with at the time, deal with that. And that's it. There's no shame in not being able to do all of it at once. There's no timeline on your healing. You know, don't put those things on yourself. Just be willing to walk through your process and do it at your pace. You know, you can't look at the person next to you and see what they're doing and see what speed they're running because they may not experience the same things that you do. They may not have the same struggles. They may not have the same joys and hopes. So, you know, they say that comparison is the thief of joy. So don't try not to compare. I know it's hard, you know, in this world, but stay focused on your own walk and your own your own goals and what God has promised you and what he's leading you to. And especially, you know, the Holy spirit is leading you to, and pay attention to those, things. you know, if they keep coming up from God and you keep hearing those things, pay attention to it. He's trying to tell you something. Absolutely. So a quick example of that, when you sent me the video with the Oprah quote about aha moments, I watched the next video that was in line on like YouTube. And the interview that Oprah did with some young TV sitcom star, I think her name was Tracy Gold. I can't remember, but she was a drunk driver. The accident actually injured her husband and two of her kids. 
they were in the car with her when she crashed. Sure. And Oprah said to her, she said, this wasn't the first time that you had a self-warning light go off, was it? And Tracy was like, you're right. It was not the first time Mm -hmm. that I had a moment of I really shouldn't be doing this. And I think what you just said about if it keeps coming up, if the Lord keeps bringing it up, pay attention to it. And I agree with that because I think sometimes the Holy Spirit may just sort of whisper, gently nudge, like, hey, hey, yeah, (laughs) over here, look look Mm -hmm. at this. (laughs) And if we are too busy, if we're not connecting with our with ourselves, if we're not absolutely connecting with him, then he may have to get louder. Absolutely. And he may have to use other circumstances, other pain points to really get our attention. Like, hey, hey. Right. <laughs> you know? um, and so I think that what you're saying also about how, like, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Sure. We, we have to address these situations, address challenges, hurts, pains, trauma, whatever it might be, one bite at a time. And, and to just keep moving, keep taking baby, even if it's a baby step, Keep taking that baby step every single day. I love how one of my favorite verses is in the Old Testament about how the mercies of the Lord never cease. His compassion never ends. It's new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I might be singing the song version. I'm not sure. (laughs) Absolutely. I know what you mean, though. I agree with it. (laughs) I think that might be the song. But um, it's just that every morning we wake up and we have a new dose of mercy. Bam. Right there. Absolutely. We didn't even have to do anything. Our feet have not hit the floor and bam, we got new mercy today. And I think sometimes there have been many days that that verse is literally all I had to hold on to. Sure. And I would encourage everyone to whatever verse speaks to your soul. If that's all you have to hang on to, hang on to that word of God every single day until you can take bigger steps, bolder steps. And if with the word of God and praying as much as you can throughout the day, just keeping yourself encouraged by the word and by his presence, you can continue to work through whatever challenges might be. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a, there's a Proverbs, there's 31 Proverbs, one for each day you know, of the month. And then you start it again, you know, and a bonus one, if there's only 30 days, you know, there's a bonus of 31, you know, but sometimes just reading those and get that, getting that in your spirit before you start the day, um, before you engage with the world, you know, helps you, you know, reset and refocus so that you can be who God wants you to be. And be that person that says, you know, let me let them see you meaning God and Jesus in me, you know, and so let that shelf. Because um, I think that's really important. Absolutely. And tagging on that idea from Proverbs 31 chapters, I remember a few months ago on, on my Facebook page for Be Well My Soul, I did 30 days of gratefulness. And every day for 30 days, I posted different things to be grateful for. And it's just really powerful when you try to look at your situation, whatever it might be, by a heart of gratefulness, like finding at least one thing every day to be grateful to the Lord for. Right. 
And I know a lot of people have like gratitude journals and they express gratitude, but along those lines, are you expressing gratitude to the Lord or like, who are you expressing the gratitude to? I think it's important. (laughs) (laughs) Some people thank the universe. I I say there's more power and more benefit to thanking the Lord. That's my personal thing, but um, find, find one way to be thankful every day. Absolutely. We're going to close out. Britt, I know that you are a part of a, counseling practice for those who might be in the maybe North Dallas area or the Dallas, Texas area. How would you prefer people to get in touch with you? So it's best to reach me um, at an email at canoncounseling at gmail.com. And that's C-A-N-N-O-N-C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G at gmail.com. And that comes directly to me. And that's the best way. And we can figure out how to go from there. You you know, want to make an appointment and kind of figure some things out. Sounds great. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for being vulnerable. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Kelly. It was a pleasure. Let's, Let's close out in prayer. Gracious Father, how we thank you, Lord, for the times that we're on top of the mountain and the times that we're even in the valley. Lord, we resist. We confess that we resist our breaking points. We resist hitting rock bottom, Lord. But I thank you that when we are brought low, Father, that your power, your love can manifest in such amazing ways. And I thank you that you came to give us a life of abundance, as your word says in John 10, 10. And so, Lord, we declare an abundance of peace, an abundance of joy, an abundance of healing for every person who's listening to this show today, Father, will you move in their life in a real way? Will you help them to take those small steps towards real change, towards real trust in you? Will you renew their faith? Will you transform and renew their minds, Lord, how they look at situations? Help us to see things as you see them. Lord, increase our faith and help us to know that you are always in control. We love you and we thank you for healing. We thank you for healing from our past, perhaps healing from from recent pain, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are healing someone right now from depression. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare it, Father. We ask for healing from depression, from anxiety, Lord, from insomnia. Lord, someone who's not able to sleep and get proper rest, I pray that you touch them now. We thank you for experiencing peace that surpasses all understanding. And we ask you to help us to keep our mind stayed on you so that we can have that kind of peace. Thank you for your perfect peace. It's in your mighty and matchless name that we pray. Amen. 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 All right, everyone. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Cubicles in Christ podcast. The inspiration and wisdom doesn't stop here. Join the Cubicles in Christ community on Facebook and let's keep the conversation going. For more ways to feed your soul and walk in purpose, connect with Kelly at IamKellyJohnson.com and follow her on Facebook and Instagram.